After years on the road, Timmy parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey. Hey, what is up, everyone, and welcome to Talk To Me, episode 46. And on this episode, I speak to Brandon Kellum and Corey Sharonsky of American Standards. It's a great episode, so let's go ahead and get to our sponsors so we can get to our show. You guys know my love of puck hockey, and that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y. Head on over to puckhockey.com and check out all the things they have going on over there. And uh, I love getting my care packages every month with all of my wonderful puck hockey gear. And I get so many compliments from my puck hockey t-shirts, stickers. They've outfitted me in so many great things. And uh, every time I wear them out, somebody's always like, oh, man, I love your shirts. I love what's going on there. I love the 36 Crazy Fish shirt that you get. I've got so many compliments for that 36 Crazy Fish shirt. So head over to puckhockey.com, and that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Enter talk at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Yes, from my listeners only. Head on over to puckhockey.com. Shop until you drop and enter talk, that's T-A-L-K, at checkout for 10% off. Also, the Talk To Me podcast is brought to you by the Talk To Me t-shirt. Go to Amazon.com, search out the Talk To Me podcast, get yourself a Talk To Me t-shirt. They come in men's sizes, women's sizes, and even kid sizes so you can outfit the entire family in Talk To Me tees. They are only $20 and free shipping if you have Amazon Prime. Hey, this is Frank Fonteray from Stuck Mojo and Fozzie, and you're listening to the Talk To Me podcast. In lieu of shoutouts for sharing, on this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about everything going on in the metal world right now. A lot of stuff came out today, the day that I'm recording the podcast. The Misfits are reuniting with Glenn Danzig, OzFest, NotFest kind of going to uh, combine with each other. And then the day this episode comes out, Friday the 13th, the new Hatebreed album, Concrete Confessional, comes out. So a lot of stuff to talk about. So... The inner 14-year-old in me is completely freaking out about this Misfits with Glenn Danzig reuniting two shows. They're going to do Riot Fest in Denver and Riot Fest in Chicago. I need to make it to one of those shows. I saw Danzig a few years ago do a 25th anniversary uh, Danzig show where Doyle came out and, and they played about 13 Misfits songs. And it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen in my life. And I you know, never... Th- in my wildest dreams, thought I would ever see Danzig singing those great classic Misfits songs again. For them to come back around again, and actually Jerry Only and Doyle and Danzig all on the same stage again, playing those classic tunes, it's it's going to be a sight to see, and everyone needs to go and check it out. I know the tickets are going to be crazy. That's The lineup for Riot Fest is always so great, and uh, you know it's about a five-hour drive from where I am, so I'm definitely going to need to try to figure out how to make that happen. And you knew that Danzig couldn't be upstaged by Axel and ACDC, but you know, uh, the Axel ACDC stuff to me is kind of so far fetched and so out of my wheelhouse that, you know, it's not even that huge of a deal to me. But when I saw this news pop up about Danzig rejoining the Misfits for a couple of shows, and hopefully it's more, for more than a couple of shows, you know that the, uh, the guys are probably doing it for a nice little payday. And, you know, they probably wouldn't even have to see each other for the entire show or until the entire show starts or whatnot, and uh, maybe a couple of rehearsals and get through the, you know, cash the check at the end of the day. But hopefully, you know, they can rekindle the friendship and go out and do this on uh, more than just these two shows. Hopefully everyone will get to see Danzig fronting the Misfits, 
you know, like we never thought we would see. So, you know, Guns N' Roses with Slash, Axel and ACDC, all of that stuff, in my mind, pales in comparison to Danzig and the Misfits getting back together. So hopefully I'll get the chance to go see it. And if you guys go see it, make sure to let me know how it is because I know it's going to be fan-freaking-tastic. Also announced today was the OzFest, NotFest collaboration in San Bernardino, California. I grew up going to OzFest. I absolutely loved the lineup for OzFest. Every year it came through. I got to see so many great bands play together. You know, uh, early System of a Down shows, early uh, Slipknot shows, early uh, Machine Head, all those great bands. You know, Soulfly was on those early shows. So many, so many great times. So, you know, when OzFest kind of died out, it was always such a painful thing for me and I uh, always wanted to see them uh, continue the OzFest in some form or fashion. So, it's great to see that they're going kind to of do these one-off shows here and there. I would love to see this kind of a tour, an OzFest, NotFest kind of tour together. But, uh, you know, with the OzFest lineup being, you know, Black Sabbath, Megadeth, Black Label Society, Children of Bodom, Hatebreed, Devil Driver, all those great bands, uh, even the, like the Nuclear Blast days with Municipal Waste, so many great bands on that uh, tour. And then, you know, you get the NotFest for the next day, you know, Slipknot, Slayer, Amon Amarth, Anthrax, Trivium, Suicide Silence, Overkill, Mirror, Butcher Babies, Whitechapel. Shout out to Whitechapel. T- good, nice, good Tennessee boys there. But so many great bands and uh, playing a two-day festival in California. Ozzy, Slipknot. God, I wish they could get this on the road and make this a uh, touring thing. And, you know, get out to everybody else. Because just like the Misfits with Danzig, you know, that's only going to be in Chicago and Denver. And this is only going to be in San Bernardino. Everybody needs to get see this. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a nice, you guys take a trip to California to see this and make it a destination for the weekend. But it would be nice to see a nice old school shed tour, summertime, get all the guys out there. Because I saw Slipknot and Lamb of God a couple of years ago in a shed in Indianapolis. And it was a great show. There was had to have been 25, 30,000 people there for just basically those two bands. And for those two bands to put on such a huge show, uh, it just shows that metal is still alive and kicking out there. And so a lot of you guys need to go out and support. And speaking of support, Hatebreed's new album, The Concrete Confessional, comes out Friday the 13th. When this podcast posts, you can go to Best Buy, you can go to FYE, you can go to possibly Target and a couple of other stores or go to your iTunes. Somehow, let's all kind of band together, go buy the new Hatebreed, and let's get Hatebreed in the top 10 on the Billboard charts and help out Talk To Me alumni Frank Novinick. Frank Novinick came on episode three when I barely even knew what a podcast was, when I barely even knew what I was even doing. Uh, I didn't know Frank from anywhere else. I had uh, emailed back and forth with him about some Kiss memor- memorabilia back in the day, but that's as far as our uh, friendship had you know, gone. Uh, now it's someone I can uh, send an email to here and there, and he's always been so gracious and even helped out and came back on for my Super Bowl special because he's a huge Broncos fan. So from the Talk To Me podcast out to you guys, if you guys are into hate breed, don't download the album illegally. You know, run up to Target, run up to Best Buy, spend the ten bucks, and let's get hate breed in the top ten on the Billboard charts and show the industry that metal is still a viable thing because all of these tours and all of these festivals and all of these uh, great shows going on around the country. You've got Carolina Rebellion. I just watched that on Axis TV, and I spend a whole you know a couple of days. I DVR'd it. 
you know, fast forwarded through a couple of, you know, bands I didn't really care too much for, but it was so fun to watch those guys and uh, see my boy Chris Kale up there singing almost an entire song and getting to see him on the vocals again and all of that stuff for Five Finger Death Punch. And so metal is, is in this great spot. And, uh, and that kind of carries on to our guest of honor today, and that's American Standards, which I do believe I call them American Standard a few times on this podcast, but I guess my S didn't come out or whatnot, but American Standards out there, you know, killing it right now. They're out there on the uh, diners, drive-ins, and stage dives tour, heading out, you know, doing a bunch of regional shows out on the West Coast. If you guys are out there, they're posting videos of the shows that they're doing. All of the shows look like they're so much fun, look like they're having a great time, and uh, nice crowds they're playing in front of. And uh, just kind of going through some stuff. I mean, they've got an upcoming show with the Treyu. They just did a show with uh, the Butcher Babies. They're doing some great stuff. And they reached out to me a few months ago to, to come on the podcast. And, you know, they're obviously listeners of the Talk To Me podcast, which is flattering. And, you know, I got into the band. I was listening to them. I was like, man, this is going to be cool. Uh, their guitar player was just on Shoot The Shred podcast with Eric Hall. And a lot of great stuff going on for these guys. So, you know, hopefully you guys will enjoy this podcast. I'm going to play you some American Standards now, go into the interview, play a little bit more of American Standards for you, and then I will talk to you guys momentarily.
we got Brandon and Corey from American Standard here on the podcast. I just want to say appreciate you guys taking some time tonight to come on, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having us on. We're uh, we were people that have definitely been listening to your podcast for a little while now, so we're excited to be guests on there. Very fun, very fun. Very cool, man. Yeah, it was nice to nice for you guys to reach out. You know, I, I'm I'm a vehicle for for bands and music, and I've I've tried to, you know, early episodes I was uh, throwing out, you know, hey, send in a track, I'll play it on the podcast, you know, anything you want. And like, it's so funny, like how kind of dormant and quiet it's been. And then uh, and I've gotten a few people lately now popping up doing it, but uh, it's just like I always I talk about a lot on the podcast where you know like bands have so many avenues and so many outlets to get their music out now. And, you know, if I was in that situation to where, you know, my bands in the nineties and early two thousands, if I would have had all of these outlets, I would have been hitting up everybody I could. And it's just kind of funny to see, you know, bands kind of being quiet and not doing it. So I commend you guys for reaching out. And uh, I know that you guys just recently uh, recorded with the shoot the shred podcast, Eric Hall over there, a great friend of mine. Uh, You know, it's just great to see you guys, you know, uh, stepping up and uh you know using the tools at your at your uh utility belts or whatnot oh cool i didn't know that yeah you guys are friends i actually Great. Corey Corey was on that and i uh i haven't heard it yet but i'm excited i hear they they go into uh depth on uh system of a down which is one of the bands we're we're constantly listening to while we're we're on the road eric is a great guy yeah he's a fun guy actually i podcasted with him last night i'm gonna have him on an on a future episode as a as a future episode so we can we're trading some podcasts so yeah cool guy man i i, I thoroughly dig uh the shoot the shred podcast and he's got a very cool uh cool thing going on there i try to get on there but i, I always played bass and i'm like i can like talk bass or something man let me on your podcast and he's like well you know maybe one day <laughs> so You're not bitter but, uh, thing right not bitter <laughs> oh no 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 he can be on mine but i'll, I'll we'll see about his right yeah, yeah. if shoot the shred's listening uh hint hint <laughs> <laughs> right, I could be like, um, what? What would be the uh, base equivalent of shoot the shred? Like, shoot the low or something. Man, shoot the groove. <laughs> shoot the shooty's groove. That was a great band. I feel right? like the 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 hip way to say it is you know the slap the bass podcast. Ooh, man, like the eight oh eight or something. Maybe I've just record. Maybe I've just uh, came up with my own new podcast. I'll just be the eight oh eight. That's probably already out there though. So what's going on with you guys, man? I know you guys are uh, you guys are finishing up the cycle with your new album, things like that. So you know, just kind of give us a quick breakdown of what's going on in the American Standard world. Yeah, so we uh, we put out uh, an EP actually, Hungry Hands, uh, about actually about a year ago now. It's been quite a while. We recorded out in uh, California with our good friend Andy Marshall with the, the Residency Studio. Um, at the time, it was kind of fill it out. We had uh, new members at the time. We've we've gone through. Uh, quite a few member lineup changes over the years. We've been together about five years now. So this was uh, Hungry Hands was kind of our test with the, the new members. We put out three songs as an EP, and uh, we're finally getting back into the studio to start recording the full length. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we're also excited we're, we're no longer on the label, so we're kind of working on our own timeline. So it uh, took off a lot of stress when it comes to uh, deadlines and how we have to go about doing it. We can work with the people we want to work with at the time that we want to work with them, which is awesome. Um, also, I have a tour. This is actually our last tour here to support Hungry Hands coming up pretty soon, uh, starting May uh, 11th um, with Coma Prevail, which Coma Prevail is just an awesome band from uh, Tucson. Uh, it's uh, the guys from uh, The Blood, uh, Jeremy nice. from The Blood's band, which... Uh, Band we always, you know, loved uh, in Arizona. Great, uh, great local band here. 
Yeah, you uh, mentioned, you know, talking about being on the label and stuff, and you guys were distributed through Victory? Yeah, yeah. When we first started, actually really early on, we uh, put out uh, our first uh, uh, release, which was Still Life, and um, we put that out, and shortly after, we someone reached out to us, Greg, um, reached out to us uh, with We Are Triumphant, and uh, that's kind of a label out of Boston that's uh, a subsidiary of Victory, and asked us, uh, you know, if we wanted to jump on and, and release with them. So we did a re-release, which was still live, released through uh, through Victory, and um, we did that for a while. And just it, it really wasn't something that uh, was our thing at the time. It got us. I mean, it did help us out in a way, but it uh, just wasn't for us, you know. Yeah, I've heard a lot of like mixed reviews on Victory as a label, but uh, you know, just growing up in in the '90s and being a part of like. You know, obviously I was in new metal bands, but I was, you know, a fan of a lot of bands. And there was like there was a there was a time period where like Victory to me was, you know, Earth Crisis and Snapcase and Haybreed and, and all those were just great hardcore bands. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like the Roadrunner of, you know, metal, you, you know, where you Roadrunner would have Fear Factory and Slipknot and Sepultura. You, you know, they had that stamp on there. You knew it was going to be a good band. And it was kind of the same thing in hardcore if hardcore if a hardcore band was on victory, you know, they, you knew they were going to be a great band, but, uh, you know, so, I mean, did you guys have a good, uh, good time on victory or was it a kind of a rough go? Like a lot of bands say, you know, for us, it was, um, we had pretty indirect relationship with them. You know, we were, uh, very much a, a small band in a big, big sea of bands at a time where, where the music industry's, you know, changing 2010, 2011. It's very much where, uh, and even before that, obviously, or when labels are trying to find out how do we, you know, get our revenue back up to where it used to be, and I, I don't think labels have found that answer yet. Um, but the result of that is, uh, rather than dealing quality, let's just deal with quantity and, you know, put a bunch of bands yeah. out there and see what sticks. Uh, so unfortunately, we were just one band on a very large roster and a, a constantly growing roster that didn't have a lot of time for artist development. Um, so although it did help the name association, like you said, I mean, looking back at Victory, I think that, you know, they've released stuff like Snapcase, which I, I love Snapcase. I love I, Snapcase. I they released a Refused album. I think they did one of the early Every Time I Die albums. Um, but they've done a lot of really great stuff that we really, uh, looked up to. Um, but that was a much different time when, when it was in its, uh, you know, what I guess would, I would refer to as its prime. Yeah. It was like a DIY period of, of victory where, you know, I can even remember ordering stuff through their mail order catalog, you know, and like actually having to call them with my, you know, debit card at the time and, and you know, pre-internet, pre, pre all that stuff. And, you know, I actually got a Snapcase hoodie through the through the mail at one point. And then, uh, you know, recently I had the Reverend Horton Heat on the podcast and I was kind of looking back at his stuff. And then I realized that he was signed to victory. I was like, the Reverend Horton Heat's on victory. What's going on? There's, there's something wrong with this picture. Yeah, he did back in the times where you used to find your music through the the free samplers or the the really cheap sampler compilation albums, right? Absolutely, man. So uh, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I mean, you know, you sent me the email, kind of breaking down the band and stuff, and uh, just kind of go, uh, you know, with the tragedy of your your guitar player, you know, uh, passing away, committing suicide. I mean, that's I don't know, I don't even know the proper way of even asking that. I mean, but what were kind of the circumstances around that? Was he still in the band when he did that or was it just uh he had already left the band and and uh did that afterwards no he uh he he was in the band still he actually uh he he was one of the original members back when we started yeah. and uh he uh so he had left the band after we released still life i think actually during the recording of the death of rhythm and blues 
is when he uh, left the band. And that was kind of a that that EP in general was kind of a big change for the band. And that much what we put into the the lyrics and the name of the album was uh, we we lost our guitarist at the time, uh, we lost our drummer. Um, and we were kind of just going through the point where do we do we continue on with as American standards or do we start from scratch and and kind of figure it out from there? Um, so during the recording of that, uh, we found out that both the guys were going to leave the band. Uh, we were planning on doing a full length, and uh, the whole thing was do we want to record ten songs with these guys that we know are going to leave the band, right, and record ten songs with these guys, or do we just want to cut it at the five songs and um, you know, bring new people in. So we, we cut it at the five, we did an EP, um, and then that's when we brought in new guys, and uh, that's when Corey, actually, uh, our, our guitarist now, he was at ba- on bass at the time, he switched from bass over to guitar, um, kind of filling the role that uh, Cody was in. Um, we decided to only keep one guitar instead of being the two guitars, and then we brought in a new drummer. Um, and then and then just very recently, uh, within the last four or five months, has been when unfortunately Cody had uh, committed suicide. Um, so something, you know, this strikes really close to home for us, obviously. Um, something I think that's definitely going to be um, something that, I know, we look back on for probably the rest of our lives and won't only impact the writing of the new album, but probably will just impact our outlook in general, you know? Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, losing a band member, even a former band member. You know, I've played with so many people over the years, and if I lost any of them, I think, I think even today it would still be, it would still affect me. And if I was, uh, you know, even, you know, continuing in the band that we played in together, I think it would be rough, too. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, even, you know, you've got the after the burial stuff kind of going on with their guitar player passing, and then, you know, you guys and stuff. I mean, it's just got to be tough on everybody out there trying to, trying to, you know, continue on after uh, such a tragedy, man. So, you know, my condolences out to you guys and your fans and your friends and families and everything. So it's such a, it's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, it feels weird. It feels weird just to think, you know, something that we've created. When we look back at at, at songs that he's played guitar on and, and also done backing vocals on, it's weird to, to think of uh, the fact that he's not there, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things I feel like, uh, if there's anybody listening, obviously, or, or any of your people um, that follow the podcast that are ever in a, a bad time, I just think it's one of those things that you just need to uh, reach out, talk to somebody, you know, sleep on it. You'll feel different, you know. Uh, emotions are a rough thing, and, and they take the best of you sometimes. But um, the thing is, time really kind of changes the, your outlook on anything. Absolutely, guys. But uh, all right, well, let's kind of switch gears and get, get to a much more happy place. And, uh, you know, just some of the bands you guys have toured with and uh, a lot of my favorites on there, too, like Atreyu and Every Time I Die. Anything stick out from, like, playing with those guys? I feel like I've been talking a lot. Corey, go for it, man. Um, I guess, like, shows that stuck out, um, the big one would definitely be Every Time I Die, at least for me, probably for all of us in the band. Um, I think that's been a band that we've always really looked up to. I think that's been a band that... It's like that when we listen to that band, it's like, oh, that's exactly what like we want to do. That's that's to a T, like how we feel, and to have the privilege to play with them, and not only like, oh, we're we're playing with them, not so much playing with them, but we're just like we're opening, we're the opening band for every time I die. But the sole fact that afterwards on that show we were able to actually converse with them, talk to them, and and hang out with them, and just really, only in a sense, like pick their brain and just really get to know them a little bit more 
just it was just like the la- it was nail in the coffin. It just it just made them so much cooler dudes to us and just super gnarly role models in a sense. Yeah, one thing I mean I'm sure you know too from playing is like there's a there's a vision that you have in your head of what the the bands that you really look up to are like, and then there's what actually happens. Um, um, I mean. We've we've been the opening band or the support role for for tons of bands that we really really uh, admire. Um, but a lot of times, like you think, you know, I'm going to play the show and then we're going to have a couple beers, we're going to hang out and all this. And sometimes it's just you play the show and that's pretty much it, you know. Um, with every time I die, it was weird. I mean, before the show, uh, we we went out to a bar and you know Keith, uh, the singer's at a bar just doing shots and he gets actually a tattoo <laughs> with one of our buddies that night. Um, during the show, uh, you know, on stage, he's talking about us beforehand. They actually picked up some of our T-shirts and CDs and everything. And then after the show, you know, actually uh, went out back to the bar with us and had some more drinks with us. So just really stand-up guys, you know. That's kind of the experience you, you would hope as a, uh, as a supporting <laughs> band that you would have with every uh, touring band that you look up to. But unfortunately, it's not always that way, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the uh, dream scenario, which you just, uh, you know, anytime you've ever gotten on a bill with a large band that's com- coming through your town, you know, that's the dream scenario. You hope you hope that, you know, you get to hang out beforehand, get to hang out afterwards and then during the show and them to uh, be into your band and stuff. But, uh, you know, just like I talk about a lot on the podcast and I talk a lot of, you know, obviously I have a lot of older guests on and a lot of, uh, you know, seasoned veterans in the music business. So, Let's just kind of turn it to you guys, kind of being you know five years strong into this band, and uh, I don't really know your previous history and how long you've been playing in bands, but I mean you've kind of grown up in the social media world of uh, you know promoting your bands and stuff, and um, you know are you are you guys out there actually on the grounds talking to people, handing out flyers, or is it or is it the same adage of like you know just creating a Facebook event and hoping you know it spreads and people come to your shows. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. That's actually that's what I like to talk about too. Um, I, I think I'm one of the few uh, musicians or, or band guys that uh, that nerd out over that type of stuff. Um, I came up in a kind of a unique time in between, right? I mean, I think very much you 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 played uh, in Primer Fifty Five. That was around like late '90s is when that was going right into the 2000s. Yeah, like 2001, 2002. Yeah, so I think that I mean that's <clears throat> such a such an interesting time for music because that's kind of right when you're at pretty much the climax of where where physical cells are really booming right and uh yeah. you know your way of promoting and this is and this is around the time I started I started playing music in around 2001 or so this is where you would you know get a stack of flyers from a promoter or print them up yourself and you'd drop them off at every single record store you'd go to the skate shops you'd go to the tattoo shops you'd go to your local shows and flyer those shows um I don't know that a lot of bands do that anymore and I feel like we're, at least when it comes to Arizona, one of the few bands that have like adopted this hybrid of both. You know, we're we're still very much on the street, passing out flyers, creating a street team, getting our our friends and our fans uh, to to pass out flyers as well. Um, we're online, pretty much any social media website out there we're on, um, and we're talking to people as much as possible. I mean, just like this, if there's a podcast that I like or I listen to. Um, if it makes sense for us to come on, you know, I'm I'm all for that. If there's a blog that I follow, I'm gonna talk to those guys as well. You know, this um, wherever people consume music, we want to be um, to see if there's anybody there that might enjoy what we're doing. Um, and I don't know a lot of people are just willing to put in the work anymore. If they want to, uh, hope that in you know a couple of years they might get signed to a label and the label is going to do the work for them. 
but I just don't think it works like it did 10 years ago or, or 15 years ago. Yeah, I think with <clears throat> with labels these days, I think you definitely have to almost work harder once you get signed. You know, once you get signed is not when it stops. It's like that's when the work stops or the work starts and it's 10 times over and you've got to work harder to get, you know, like I've said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, you know, we're all fighting for the same ears and the same eyes and the same dollars. And so, you know, you guys are fighting with the big guys, the big, you know, the ridiculous bands like uh, Five Finger Death Punch and Shinedown. I mean, you're you're, fi- you're fighting with those guys for eyes and dollars and stuff, too. So, I mean, you've got to, you know, continue to put out great music and continue to ch- try to get in front of people as best you can. And uh, I think, you know, I think a lot of the bands today, I mean, I'll go to a show now and walk in the show, watch the show and leave the show. And not a single person has handed me anything. I don't know if it's because I look like the old guy now or what, but I mean, I haven't, I don't see kids flyering. I don't see, you know, flyers on poles. I don't see flyers anywhere I go. And it's, it's kind of a sad thing because, you know, it's almost like an art form. If you could, you know, put together a nice flyer and, uh, you know, just to get to get that one-on-one physical, you know, talking to people and saying, Hey, check out my band. Hey, I'm in this band. Hey, you know, this is for you. And let's talk about this kind of thing. And, uh, I think I think that's a lost art, and I would like to see you know kids kind of bring it back. Yeah, no, that, that's that's exactly right. I I've listened to a, quite a few of your podcasts like within the last few days or so, and I can't remember what <laughs> guests you had on, and uh, but I remember you guys were talking a little bit about um, the whole idea that it's easier as a musician to to be a musician now to put out music. It's cheaper and easier to record. It's cheaper and easier to go on tour and to to, to do a lot of things that um, you know. 10 years ago were much more complicated. I, I think that that same aspect goes for, for promoting your band. It's, it's absolutely free to put up a Facebook page and to throw up a post, but let's face it, no one has seen that post, and that post right. is lost in a sea of other bands doing the exact same thing. But when it comes to you know creating a flyer, printing it out, going to a show, talking to people, making genuine connections, that takes that takes time and that takes a little bit of money as well to do and a lot of people aren't willing to do that um so i mean we want to be the people to do that if anybody wants to go to your show the first thing that's going to get them in the door is they actually feel a connection to the band um and that connection for us i mean a lot of times just comes from talking to people i mean we like to like to talk to people hell if we're talking to you right now and you didn't even air this we just uh, (laughs) get the fact out of this that we're you know connecting to you as a person yeah no definitely it's uh it's nice. It's that's the one thing I've liked through the podcast is you know people reaching out and meeting new people and getting to interview you know not only my friends but also just uh you know new guys through the through the podcast and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a it's a fun thing, man. It's a fun thing to reach out to new people and to uh, to make connections and things like that. And obviously, you know, prior to this, uh, prior to you guys coming on, I was not aware of your band. But I mean, you know, through the last kind of how you're binge listening to the podcast, I've been, you know, listening to your stuff on Spotify and checking out videos and things like that, trying to get a basis of what I'm getting myself into. And, uh, you know, so all of that works, you know, all of that. Obviously, you know, next time you guys come through the Louisville area, I'm going to be there. So that's one more person you've got, uh, you know, coming to check out the show. So it's, it's, Mission it's fun. Right. <laughs> there you go. Now the host of the talk to me podcast will be at your show. One podcast host at a time. We're going to make this right. Yeah. Go through uh, Michigan. You got Eric Hall, get through, <laughs> get through the Kentucky area. You got me. <laughs> so it slowly, but surely you'll have a nice fan base, but no, man, it's just, uh, it's, it's the one thing I always joke about and, you know, always, uh, talk about you know i haven't played in a band in 
I think the last show I played was maybe like 2009 ish, somewhere in there. And, um, people always talk about, uh, I miss parts of it. I miss, uh, I miss the actual just physically being on stage stuff. I don't necessarily miss like band practice. I don't necessarily miss like, you know, arguing and writing. Maybe I miss a little bit of that too. It's kind of like the football adage, you know, when people, when, when the players retire, they don't necessarily miss the games. They miss the locker room. I think that's, that's probably what I miss the most is kind of the, just the locker room traveling. I I was, I loved touring. I loved, uh, you know, being in the van and just sitting and looking out the window and contemplating life as a young 20 year old, you know, trying to figure out why I'm on this earth and all that silly nonsense. But, uh, and that's but no, it's, it's being in a band, right? I mean, it's funny because when you talk to people, a lot of people think that being in a band is writing music and playing shows. But really, that's the smallest part about being yeah. in a band. The biggest part about being in a band is, you know, driving for eight hours to the next show. If you don't like the people right. you're driving with, if you're not having a good experience in that time, you're only playing 30 minutes on stage, maybe 45 minutes on stage. And that's the very, very smallest part of the uh, the experience. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I talked about this with Bobby from Primer 55 when he came on the podcast. But, you know, when I joined Primer, they were in a very bad place, you know, kind of the end of the band turmoil. Everybody hated each other. But the one new thing in the band was me. So they all hated me just because. And so, like, they would just give me, you know, like the the the. Uh, you kind of looking back on it, it might have been hazing or just, you know, just they, you know, they hated each other, but they collectively could come together and just pick on me. So it was funny, man. I would just get, you know, get back in the van and just put headphones in and just go to sleep or, or just avoid them at all costs. And it, was, it, it was a very, like when I left that tour, it was a very sour taste in my mouth for touring. But, uh, it's, uh, you know, obviously since then I toured with them again in like 07 and, you know, I'm Bobby and I are stayed constant, you know, stayed friends afterwards and stuff. So, it was a bad time to to join a band and then to kind of get to follow your chase your dreams and it was like a bad time for them so it was it was a a culmination of a whole lot of things that kind of came together and uh, yeah you're just talking about you know the the trying to ride in a van with people you don't like and uh, that's totally what that reminded me of yeah no it's it's rough i think uh, at this point where where we're at as a band now i mean we everybody's on the same page everybody's marching towards the the same goal and um and another beautiful thing about it is none of us are depending on this band this in the sense that no no one in this band thinks that this this band American standards is their ticket to fame or their ticket to fortune or any of that we've all been in bands i mean I personally have been in bands for about fifteen years now and uh and I personally know that although I'm putting my entire heart and soul into the band um when it comes to it. Everything that I'm getting from the band is exactly what I need, and I don't need more. So if the band doesn't, you know, become a larger band and start touring with these other huge bands and making all this money, I'm not let down because that's not what I'm expecting. I think when you're right. a younger guy, you expect a lot more, and when you don't meet those expectations, you're just bummed out all the time. And that's when you're in the van thinking, "What the hell am I doing?" You know, you know, we're, we're we just played to 15 people. Now when I play to 15 people, I'm like. That's pretty cool. These 15 people had no clue who I was before this show, and these 15 people were getting into it. Yeah. No, that's a that's a tough thing, too. And and being on the other side of that with the 15 people thing, the last primer tour we did, we played some shows in front of 15 people. But instead of 15 people that didn't know who you were, it was 15 people that knew who you were and knew every word. So it was like the most bizarre, bizarre world that I'd ever been in. You know, you're playing, and you're like, damn, there's like 15 people here, but like, 
those 15 people are getting into it like it's OzFest 2000 and you're like, shit, I better put on a good show tonight, you know, because these people pay their money to see a good show and I don't care that there's nobody here. And uh, it, was, it was a tough tour, man, but it was fun to, fun to get through. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I think <laughs> when it comes down to it, people are paying money and, and even more than paying, you know, the 5 or 10 or $20 entry. They're, they're spending their time, right? They're taking their time out of their life to, to go see you. So regardless of how many people are there, I think you've got to put on a hell of a show. Hey, everybody. This is David Ellison from Megadeth, and you're listening to the Talk To Me podcast. Yeah, they uh, they both have, like, cats are super, like, dominant-oriented, so, like... They have, like, one power, like, well, stage, there's, I feel there's like. one higher than the other one, and Bo sits on the higher one because he's, like, he's older, so he's the big dude, <laughs> and then Max sits on the other one because he's just, he's like, respect your elders. Yeah. That's some more bonus content um, from my Patreon page right there. <laughs> I, we're just going to hear you talk about cats. Talking cats. Talking about my cat. Granted, the, the old cat cat. That passes away. Do you think that the young kid's gonna take his spot? Cats live for like forty years. What forty? No way. Well, where did you hear 25 this? Twenty-five years. <laughs> Twice as much. <laughs> Twenty-five years. A dog only lives for like freaking twelve years, if yeah, that. That's crazy. Cats live. Cats are so like. Bo's gonna live till he's so old. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I was just saying. I mean, it, I think we've come to a part where. where it, it's cool for us now that uh, we have been around for for for, for five years now, and uh, in that time we've played different cities in different places. In which, uh, when we go back to them, even if it's six months later or a year later, we start to see some of the same faces and people wearing our t-shirts and people that are excited to talk to us. That you know, the first time we went, there might have been you know forty or fifty people, and the second time there were seventy or eighty, and then the third time even more. So it's cool to see some of the same faces as well as new people. You know. Um, when when you're playing back home, I mean, we we played in Arizona for so damn long now that I don't, it, it's weird because I feel like we keep seeing the same crowds. You know, we we get the younger crowd, but it's a lot of the same people. Yeah, you just it, 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 I wouldn't even I don't even know. Like I would just say like I would say at least for me, it's like oh you see your friends there, but those people have been coming to your shows so long, like to every show that it just becomes that they become your friend. Yeah, it's your friend. At oh that. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's a lot of people that. Honestly, I would say, and I was talking to Joey about my my girlfriend about this the other day. I would I would assume, uh, uh, sorry, ladies, I'm taken. No, I would assume <laughs> that about ninety percent of the people that I know, if not ninety five percent of the people I know in my life, a lot of people I know through music. Yeah. And there, there's a very I could probably count the people I know outside of music on on one hand. And then everybody else is people that I know through music, including my girlfriend, yeah. um, and, and including even the way that I've got. Everything is all through connections of people that I knew through the band. I definitely know that feeling, man. I, I you know, I, it's funny too. I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm sure you can relate. But uh, you know, when people talk about traveling and stuff, and you know, like, have you ever been to, you know, what city? Let's say Kansas City, and you're like, yeah, I've been to Kansas City, and like, have you ever seen this? I'm like, no, I've you seen the that. club, and maybe, and maybe like a one block radius around the club. But I can tell you that I've been to Kansas City. You know, it's it, that's that's another part of touring. I always think that's funny. You could say uh, the Kansas City gas station has great bathrooms or great taquitos. Yeah. But, uh, right. Yeah, no, that's, that's another funny thing about touring is I think when you're touring, a lot of people, like especially your family, you know, 
they think that you're out there like seeing all the sites and all the the landmarks but you're right you're seeing like pretty much what's walking distance from the venue absolutely Um, for the most part i mean that's kind of how we've always lived it's like you wake up and you drive six to eight hours to get to the next venue you get there with just enough time to grab something to eat and do sound check and then you kind of hang out around the venue um, we, on our, our last, uh, larger tour, we were lucky enough to actually, um, have, you know, we had bunk beds in the van, uh, we were driving through the night, a lot of the times it was actually Corey driving through the night, and, uh, we would wake up every day in a new city, and we actually had the whole day to experience the city, which was something in the last 15 years of playing music I've never had, uh, so it, it was beautiful, but it was also a hell of a lot more expensive, because then you're like, wow, I have, like, 12 hours to go drink at bars and go <laughs> right. and go like pay money to go see the space needle and go to this amusement park or whatever it is. It's like, it's so much more expensive when you have time to waste your money. Yeah. It's always funny too, with a tour like that where, you know, you don't meet most of the people until after the show. And then by that time you're getting, packing up to leave to go to the next town so you've sat there all day, and then you know you meet someone at the show. It's like, oh man, I could I work at the Space Needle. I could have got you in for free. And you're like, well, shit, I'm leaving town now. You know, things like that. You don't actually get to to meet all the the people that would uh, be able to take you around town, and you know would love to take you guys to go see you know the sites of, and give you the their their tour of whatever city they live in. You know, so you meet those people for like a two or three hour increment. You know, two or three hours after the show, and then you're on to the next town. So it's always tough, but I mean, you got to keep in touch with those people, and I guess hit them up the next time you go through. Well, it's like like you said, you've been playing music for for a long time. A lot of people you have on the podcast, you know, through playing music, um, it, it's all connections. And one one day, if you're just kind to people, and you know, you're just a stand up person to people, they'll be a stand up person to you. You know, it all kind of uh, full circle. Huh. Absolutely, guys. Well, let's uh. Try to start landing this plane. Like uh, I, that's my new thing on the podcast. I'm gonna stay. Say let's start landing this plane. Just <laughs> see if it was. Roll here. <laughs> that'll be my. Uh, that'll be my catchphrase or something. You know. But uh, no, just say you know what's going on with American Standards. What's the future? I know you guys are about to start recording stuff like that. Yep. So in uh, May we've got the the tours, the the diners, drive-ins, and uh, stage dives tour because we're nice. very punny. And uh, so we're doing that tour, so you can go on our any of our pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, everything else. We pretty much have it on Pinterest, Uges, uh, um, Pornhub, all of those. You can find uh, the dates on there. After that, we're going in uh, June. We're going out to California to record um, a full-length album at Kingside Studio Labs. And Kingside Studio Labs, I'm really excited about. Um, it's just got this crazy diverse clientele. Uh, when you look at the people that have recorded there, it's it's a mixture of everybody from um, death metal to pop punk to to uh, classic rock and country and beyond. Um, they have several rooms, and each room is specified towards like what type of sound you're trying to get. So we're really excited about going there to record the full length, um, and that should be out by the end of the year. Um, outside of that, it's just kind of whatever comes our way. I mean, luckily, like I said, we're in a point in our career right now where we're we're working on our schedule and we're we're enjoying it. Anything I well, awesome. about what? What's that? About life. Anything I missed about life here? Life. Oh. I think Corey's all talked out from the Shoot the Shred podcast. I think we need to give him a break, maybe a lozenge for his throat or something. Have you heard it yet? I'm uh, I'm excited to hear it. I haven't yeah, heard I it. Yet. Oh, okay. No, I talk, I think I we talked a little bit about it last night. He said he said it was really good, so he can't wait to get it out. 
I can talk to that guy all day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he was just like, system. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I'm There's nothing wrong okay, with so system this, of uh, down, yeah. This is There's true. nothing wrong. Uh, okay, so what's your favorite system album? Yeah, I'm gonna have to say to- Toxicity. Yeah, I mean, are you there? That's a good. That's a. I mean, that's a good choice. I, I personally feel that the first two albums are the best. Self-titled and, and, and Toxicity by far. I, I don't yeah. know that everybody feels that way, but I also feel like with music, like there's this thing where people ask you about building your top five albums or your your top ten artists or whatever. And for me, it's, it's hard to distinguish like what is actually either technically or musically a good album. Or what just holds this like nostalgia where I'm like, I remember listening to this in the point of my life where I became an adult, you know, like I feel like yeah. the majority of stuff in my life was that like, what's the 13 to 23, like when I was 13 years old to when <laughs> I was 23 years old, what did I like during that time? And that's pretty much around where, where I stayed at. So when I talk about my favorite albums, they're all in that yeah, time yeah. frame. That's funny. All right. Here's the question that uh, Eric Hall gave for uh, Jim Brewer, and I'll give it to you guys, too. Yeah. All right. So. Taking the big four, you know, being Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, yeah. what would be your dream lineup of those? What would be make your supergroup band? Like top four bands? No, no, no. Take members of those bands oh. and make your supergroup. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, he would be the lead singer. He is not in one of those bands. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong answer here. You'd assume, I mean, Carrie King's going to be on guitar, right? No, God, no. Never. I hate Carrie King. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's just like all the Metallica guys. No, God, I don't like them either. Fuck Dave Mustaine. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he fucking, like, fired his guitar tech for, like, putting wrong strings on his shit or some shit. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, when I look at the the the, the, the four, I'm not a huge fan of any of them. Really. I like Scott Ian. He's cool. Although, I mean, like, I like Metallica. I like to he'd kill be, them all he'd albums. He'd be the guitarist. Scott yeah. Ian? Yeah, he'd play guitar. You're like, my band only has a guitarist. He's cool. <laughs> uh, he'd be guitar. Um, well, I don't Megadeth, wait, wait, wait. Megadeth, uh, their new drummer is from Lamb of God, so he's going to play so drums. He's going to play right, drums. Um, so we, Scott Ian and Chris Adler so far? Yes, absolutely. Um, you got to get a vocalist in this. <laughs> uh, well, we'll just we'll kill two birds with one stone and get Slayer and bass okay. and vocals. Call it a day there. Oh, right. And we got a three piece. That's all you need. There you go. <laughs> three, three piece and band. Right. Telica dudes are in it. Right? No, none of them. None of them. I would agree well, with that. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Oh, <laughs> suicidal tendencies. He rips, but yeah, Rob Trujillo is awesome. Yeah, Rob Trujillo is. He he, nice. he rips. Um, can we have two bass players? <laughs> hey, it's your it's your super group. You know, yeah, it can be uh... in there. He, he'll just crap. He'll he'll just do that weird <laughs> walk he does. He won't even have a bass. He'll just walk like that across the stage <laughs> a few times. Yeah, I feel like I mean, for me, metallic. Because, like, Kill Em All, and then, like, Black Album was the last you could probably say it was an, a decent album, but that's pretty negligible, I think. Yeah. You do you remember that, uh, do you remember that, like, reality show where, like, Ted Nugent and Scott Ian, and they had to make, <laughs> yeah. like, super group? Sebastian band? Bach. <laughs> Sebastian Bach, yeah, oh my god. How shitty was that? <laughs> do, do you remember what Sebastian Bach wanted to call the band, though? No, I don't. He had like this big. He's like he wanted to call it Fist. He like kept like putting his fist up. And he's like, let's call the band Fist. You know? <laughs> they called it like it was like it was a pun off Democracy, and their logo was like a dollar bill. Like what? Uh, are they like da- Democracy or yeah, something like, stupid like that? Yeah. 
<laughs> that's funny. Right, Corey I, comes through in the end. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, that's the stuff that we're better at actually is just talking BS stuff. <laughs> <Instead> <laughs> of answering questions. Like normally, honestly, when we talk to people, we talk like, where'd you get the band name from? And how long have you been a band? So it's like, honestly, we were way better at just like just shooting stuff. Shooting the sh- I really try to not do that stuff. I try to. I try to keep it as much uh, conversation as I can, but I, I think you know sometimes you gotta you have, have a yeah. starting off point and stuff. But yeah, for the most part, if I you know could just sit there and shoot you know shoot the shit about something, I would probably I would much rather hear I would much rather hear a podcast like that than hear you know why did you pick up the guitar yeah. for the four thousandth time you know. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of curious. So like I mean I and you don't have to put this in the podcast or you can whatever okay. your special content. But for Primer 55, like, who were you listening to at the time where that got you into that? Because I started thinking about, like, yeah, and you guys were, like, more of the new metal and rap metal. I started thinking about all the, the, the new metal and the rap metal bands that I used to listen to back in, like, 2000. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, I mean, I, I always think about, like, all right, what band came first and what band drew influence from other bands. So what band would you say is, like, huge influences for you? All right, so I'm 37. So I was... When Korn came out in 94, I was 15, and, like, they pretty much, like, up to that point, I was listening to Pantera and Sepultura and Machine Head. I was into, like, Metallica and Megadeth, all the thrash and stuff, and then, and then, uh, and then, like, Korn came out, and it it was kind of a culmination of, you know, we were kind of getting into Faith No More, and we were getting into Biohazard, and some of that, some of the rap metal-y stuff was starting to pop up, and then... I think Korn kind of changed the game for everybody. And then the Deftones came out right after that. And then even, man, like, as much... I've, well, I've said it on the podcast before. I'm not even ashamed of it. But, I mean, when Limb Biscuit came out, it fucking blew my mind, you know. And they were... Ashamed of that. Uh, they were one of the first bands that, you know, just kind of had that... Like, if you went and saw them, like, we... I might... I had a local band in Tennessee open for them in 97. Like, right when $3 Bill Y'all came out. They had, like, nobody there. It was, like maybe a hundred people in a small club and they were the most amazing live band I'd ever seen. And then I, after seeing them over and over a few times, I mean, you know, Limp Bizkit in their prime was a ridiculous band. Like they were so like, had so much charisma and it factor and all that other crap. And, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty insane, but I mean, I was, you know, I was listening to everything. And by the time I hit primer, I think I was, you know, I was listening to as much, a system of down obituary and just all kinds of crazy stuff so but but primer was the band that i enjoyed i'd actually auditioned for them uh prior to this the second album coming out and then you know once that that bass player that they did choose kind of flaked out they they called me you know kind of i was kind of like second in line kind of thing and got the got the call back there but uh but yeah it was um so you know at that time it was a whole lot of you know as much Pantera as it was Limp Biscuit and Corn. It was a yeah. very very diverse time in my uh, musical my CD collection. Yeah no I, I don't uh I don't think that I uh fall too far from that either. I think I mean Pantera was always one of the the first metal bands that I actually can say that I got into, you know. Um like Vulgar Display of Power is just one of the you know one of the most pivotal albums for me. But then what actually started getting me into, like, hey, maybe I can play music, too, was when I started listening to bands like Deftones, you know? Like, listening yeah. to, like, Adrenaline was, was just, like, everything on Adrenaline is just fantastic. I mean, I was in a band for the longest time that just did, like, multiple covers off Adrenaline, Adrenaline like Engine Number no. 9 and Seven Words and all those. Um, and then System of a Down, you know, self-titled album was huge. 
And uh, with all of us, that's like, it's funny because like when we, the music we play is very far from the music we listen to on the road. Yeah. I mean, we're all huge fans of System and all huge fans of of Deftones and System of, or uh, Slipknot and, and Rob Zombie and all those fans of that uh, time frame. Yeah, you know what's funny is even kind of going back, and I, I actually never brought this up on the show, but uh, like in the in the 80s, like I was, you know, obviously a little kid, I was 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, but I had cousins that loved, you know, Motley Crue and Warrant and, and all those bands, just all the, you know, Firehouse and all the glam bands, and, you know, Kiss, and then in the 80s, like when they were super glammed out and the Vinnie Vincent Invasion and all that stuff, and I was listening to that stuff with them, and I was really into it, and I was really into metal and like the you know the glam rock and stuff as a kid and i wanted to play music but i was like looking at the album covers going if i've got to look like that i don't want to play it you know and it was you know the the poison guys and i was like if i gotta wear makeup i'm not wearing i'm not playing music so it actually deterred me from playing music for a few years until uh until like metallica kind of you know showed up in my brain and and uh i got i got to see just four dudes on stage i was like oh i could do that and then uh but you know they were, you know superior like superior musicians, and so like when Corn and stuff started popping up, I mean not to say that they're not superior musicians, but I mean they weren't ripping solos and playing super fast and thrashy and these complicated technical death metal riffs. I mean they were playing pretty basic riffs, and uh, you know to where I was like, oh I could play that too, you know. And so it was like it was like a constant progression of, of uh you know they kind of dumbed music down to me, but I think they to to kind of it's just raw basic bones because you know at that point up until Korn and some of those bands I mean you you had Ingve Malmsteen and you know Steve Vai and Gary Hoey and all these like, crazy guitar dudes you know they were just like continuing to uh, progress and keep going it was it was an insane time for music so yeah new metal is really where it started being about uh, let's not show how how much we can shred and uh, and show off but like how can we just write a song that makes sense you know like write a good sh- song structure that people get stuck in their head. And I, yeah. I think that for, uh, for a lot of people, and myself included, that's what was, like, more, more welcoming, you know? It's like, yeah, I can do this. I can, I can jump in. And I started off on guitar, playing in bands and guitar. It's like, yeah, I can, I can write a good song structure. I can't shred balls like some other people can, but uh, I can write <laughs> right. some songs, you know? Yeah, it was, and it was more based on groove, too, which I, always, I enjoyed that more than... Uh, you know, playing like a playing in a thrash metal band would be, you know, it's it's fun, it's technical, and it's but there's no groove to it. There's no, you know, that kind of backbeat, almost hip hop kind of thing that a lot of the new metal guys had. And even uh, in another band, you know, Helmet, Helmet was a huge influence on me back in the day. You know, just very bass driven, you know, guitar noise stuff like that. So yeah, it was a lot, but that was basically what was all going on in my brain. But I mean, I even when I was in Primer, I was still listening to, you know technical metal and stuff like that too so so the songs i was playing on stage i'd get off stage and listen to deicide so you know you never know what i was doing yeah no i think with us it's, it's actually we've always been kind of in an interesting spot as a band for for american standards because we're we're always either uh the very softest or less technical band on the bill uh we get put on i mean like our next uh local show coming up is like winds of plague and um and rings of saturn and just very heavy, fast, technical bands. Um, or we get put on very soft shows or very, very punk rock shows. So we're almost always kind of like the odd men out, but it almost always works in our, our advantage in a sense because when you have a, a bill that has five or six bands on it and they all sound the same, um, none of them really stand out. And I feel like regardless of what show we put on um, or we're put on, 
Um, a lot of the times we stand out because I, I think promoters and the people that help us book our shows just don't know what show we would naturally fit on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a tough, uh, a tough thing too. You know, just trying to get uh, fit bands together and just see like. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm kind of coming from the outside in at this point, but, you know, there's just so many bands. And the, the one thing, too, with we talk about with uh, a lot of stuff with plugins and drum machines and all these different, you know, tones and stuff like that, you know, you can produce a, an awesome sounding album, and but the songs not be there. So it's like you never know who is like who is truly like the next up and coming band, you know, because everything sounds so good. Like it's yeah. records today sound so good. So you never know. And then some of the times I, I listen to stuff, I'm like, there's no way that a, that a drummer, uh, like a local band drummer is pulling this stuff off. Like, you know, there's like some of the crazy fast stuff. And it scares me to like go and see that band and, you know, see their actual drummer and see what he sounds like. I'm just uh, curious to see how much of that actually uh, carries over into the live show. No, you're right. I mean, a lot of these times, these guys are just uh, guys in a room that have uh, whatever program, and they're just, you know, recording themselves, and maybe they've got Fruity Loops or something where they're just programming the drums and cleaning up all the guitars, and every vocal line is done piece by piece. Uh, so you're right. You have It's a grab bag. You never know what you're going to get live. Uh, where, whereas with American Standards, we've always kind of been in that borderline where we, we want to be able to play what we play on our record just like we play it. We're not playing with tracks and we're not you know and nothing against bands that do but we're we're just kind of playing what we like you know from the time that we liked it absolutely guys well i definitely uh, appreciate you guys coming on tonight and uh, i'm about to play a song by you guys and what song should that be um let's play uh the red queen off our still life album all right the red queen all right guys uh and uh and the last thing i guess just make sure to let them know where you, they can find you guys online uh, pretty much everything slash American Standards. We're on Facebook slash American Standards. Um, we're on Instagram slash American Standards. Tumblr. Uh, I think the only uh, thing that's different is our Twitter, which is American Standards, but Standards is uh, S-T-N-D-R-D-S. Um, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, uh, pretty much everywhere, man. Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah, all our stuff <laughs> is free on Bandcamp. Just take it. All right, Brandon Corey, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks, dude. Yeah.
Hey, what's up? This is Bobby Burns from Prime 55, Murder of the Flesh. Killers in the Workplace, Soulfly, etc. And you're listening to Hot Toomey Podcast. Alright guys, if you enjoy the Talk To Me podcast, make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, however you get your podcast each and every week. Make sure to go and give us a 5 star rating, a 5 star review, and I read every one of those reviews and I love every time I get a new review on there. So uh, if you want to be read on an upcoming episode, write a nice review and I'll read it on the podcast and I would appreciate it so much. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview with American Standards, and hopefully you guys go and check them out. Go support them any way you can. And I uh, just wanted to say there was one part where, where I had to kind of throw a uh, throw the Dave Ellison part in there because our connection got disconnected, and when we came back, I was uh, up and ready, and I was recording, and that's when they kind of talk about cats for a little while. So I left it in the podcast. I thought it was pretty hilarious, and uh, actually from that point on, it, the, the conversation got really fun. And... Uh, I love on the podcast when I say, all right, let's wrap it up. You know, how can everybody find you? And then I talk for another 20 minutes, 30 minutes about nonsense. And that tends to be where all the podcast gold is. So thanks again to Brandon and Corey of American Standards for coming on the podcast. Make sure to reach out to those guys. Give them a like on Facebook and uh, all of their other social media outlets. Check them out and uh, go download some, legally download some music from them on Bandcamp or kick them a couple bucks over on iTunes or wherever you get your music. So also make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash talk to me. I just posted a little bit of bonus content from the Chad Lee episode. Um, I just posted my, one of my next guests that I've already recorded with. And uh, if you're on the Patreon page, you know who that is. And it's a pretty substantial guest. It's pretty cool. And uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, you got to ask that person a question. Uh, my wonderful, one of my wonderful Patreon supporters, Scott Bowling. He asked a question for the guest. I asked it. It got answered. It will be on the next podcast or one of the next podcasts. So head on over to patreon.com slash talk to me and become a supporter of the talk to me podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash talk to me and become a Patreon supporter of the podcast. Help me curtail some of the cost of this podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, which is going to be continue to be free each and every week up to two or three episodes a week. Uh, you know, that's always going to be there for you for free, but if you enjoy it and want to help support for, you know, a couple bucks a month, that would be 100% helpful. So just another big thank you to American Standards for coming on the podcast. And I'm going to leave you guys this week with a brand new Hate Breed track. I can't stress this more. Go, if you support the, if you support Hate Breed, go and get their album and help them become a top 10 band on Billboard and show that the uh, show the industry that metal is a viable commodity still to this day. So I just want to say thank you guys for checking out the Talk To Me podcast each and every episode. And so for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will see you guys next Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everybody, and go buy the Hatebreed album. This dream can't be. What it used to be
See ya. 